And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Forum Club. I'm Bill Oram, joined by Jovan Buha. Uh, possibly the last episode of the Forum Club before LeBron James is back on the court. Jovan, do you think that's true? I think so. I think he'll be back before our next episode or our next weekly episode. I wasn't sure where you're going with that at first. I was like, last episode of the Forum Club? Did, did I <laughs> miss that that notification? Surprise! No, <laughs> we will be here every week, whether LeBron James is joining us uh, as a guest or not, um, but also whether or not he is on the floor. But all indications um and by the way we are reading tea leaves still because the lakers have not said officially and frank vogel has not even said that we know that lebron is going to play again this season <laughs> like it's obviously seems that way lebron is posting you know videos and there have been some reports about a possible return by the end of the week and and things like that but in terms of official communications from the lakers um in the form of an official timeline or something frank vogel has said there hasn't been so much as we expect him to be back by the end of the regular season. So, you know, the Lakers have kind of danced around it a little bit, but if you kind of go by LeBron's social media um, and the original timeline for a high ankle sprain, a severe high ankle sprain being six weeks, that would put him back either, Jovan, probably Friday against Sacramento or Sunday against the Raptors. And so if it's either of those two, it would leave him with 10 or nine games left in the regular season to get familiar with Andre Drummond, to get his conditioning back up to speed, to get into rhythm, and uh, for everyone to get reacclimated to him, uh, probably most notably uh, Dennis Schroeder, who you wrote about today, which I want to get to. But um, what are your expectations from LeBron when he when he returns, assuming he ever returns from this high ankle sprain? I have high expectations for LeBron. I, th- I think we might have talked about this a couple of weeks ago with, with, with the three of us, and... Uh, I said, like, with AD, I think it's probably going to be, you know, a, a starker adjustment period where he, he missed more time. I mean, I guess now LeBron, with, with every passing day, is getting closer to that AD-esque, you know, uh, gap of time. But but still, I mean, AD, I, I just think AD and LeBron are different players. They react to injuries differently. And with LeBron, I mean, even the game he got injured we saw him just tie his shoes go back out there hit a three you know play a defensive possession and then have to check out and um i just think he's a cyborg and my expectations for him coming back are are just different so i'm sure there'll be some type of minutes restriction but even with ad uh, as i said on last night's podcast like frank had made it sound like he was going to be on that 15 minute restriction for at least the first couple games if not a little bit longer and this was going to be like a restriction for for multiple games. And by the third game, he was done. You know, like he he was uh, like last night, he probably could have played even a little bit more if the Lakers needed him to. So I think that was encouraging from like in, in 80. Again, it's, it's different injuries, different timelines. But I'm sure LeBron will probably have some type of restriction on his first game. But I wouldn't be surprised if by his second game, he's back to a more normal 28, 30, 31 minutes. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's LeBron. So I, I just... 
I'd I'd rather err on the side of like believing he's just going to come back fine and and playing normal than than not because it feels like every time we doubt him he, he just makes you look stupid. So I'm going to err on that side. But um, I mean I, I I do think though there's going to be an adjustment period more so not with LeBron but the guys around him and we we've seen that with AD where it's been choppy. I mean they were minus thirty in the 45 minutes AD played in Dallas and, and that. You know, it doesn't make any sense when when you think this team should be better with AD on the floor. But you know, AD's talked about it. There's there's a lot of you know guys are cutting when he doesn't think they're supposed to be cutting or or they're spotting up or doing whatever, and he's not used to it. And, and the, the Lakers have had essentially three different versions this season where you, you had the version with LeBron and AD, you had the version with only LeBron, then you had the version with neither of them, and now you're trying to reintegrate AD and then soon after reintegrate LeBron. So I do think from that perspective, that should take a few games, maybe even a couple of weeks right before the playoffs to kind of feel fully acclimated. But as far as LeBron's individual play, I think he should be back to closer to normal um, within a couple of games, in my opinion. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Specifically with Dennis Schroeder, he has taken on, obviously, the lion's share of the ball handling and the playmaking and really become kind of the focal point of the Lakers offense in these, however long it's been, five weeks with neither LeBron or Anthony Davis. Um, He talked last night about trying to carry that over and the things that he has been able to do in this stretch into playing with LeBron. And he said that LeBron has told him basically, uh, what's the exact quote? You, you know, you're not you're not just a normal point guard. Do your shit, basically. Yeah. And he's trying to basically be that third star that the Lakers obviously have wanted him to be. Have you seen enough over these games to show you that he has evolved from what we saw through the first however many games that he played alongside LeBron, that there could be a different Dennis Schroeder in the playoffs? Yeah, I just think Dennis looks more comfortable. You know, and, and the, the numbers back that up. I, I had a table in my story from last night that, um, you know, splitting it into the, the three eras of pre-AD injury, post-AD injury, pre-LeBron injury, and then now post-LeBron injury. And Dennis is just, his numbers have, have consistently gotten better. And, um, you know, it, it, it makes sense in, in terms of like usage and, and volume and stuff, but he's actually gotten more efficient. And he's reduced his turnovers and, and is shooting the ball better. And that doesn't always go hand in hand. You know, usually it's actually the opposite. When you have a higher usage and you are taking more shots, you shoot the ball worse. It's harder to right. maintain or improve your efficiency. So Dennis has done that. Um, now, it is a smaller sample where, you know, so I, I don't know if that's going to necessarily sustain into the postseason. But I, I do think, you know, you and I wrote about this back in February where the Lakers have had this issue going back to last season. You know, last season, and last season was actually better, where they weren't as bad when LeBron was off the floor, but they were still a net negative, and then that flipped in the postseason slightly. This season, it's been even worse, uh, where there's, you know, they're minus 2.1 net rating when LeBron is off the floor. It's an 11.9 point per 100 possession swing, which is a huge swing. Uh, So, so, I mean, basically, they're 
arguably the best team in the league with LeBron on the floor and with him off the floor, they're a lottery team. And, and that has bore out, you know, with or without Anthony Davis. So the, the Lakers, I think, you know, aside from what we're talking about, integrating LeBron, integrating AD, getting everybody on the same page and healthy, they also have this, this issue that's been an issue for two years that when LeBron's not on the floor, they cannot run a competent offense. And that has continued during the stretch without AD because they've been the worst offense in the NBA. You know, we, we have seen multiple, you know, games where they haven't reached 100 points, which is like impossible in the modern NBA. We, we've seen multiple games of 20 plus turnovers. Like there have been some growing pains here, but, you know, I, I had it. Uh, Dennis is, is averaging 1.7 turnovers over his last seven games. And I think that is amazing with how much he's had the ball. You know, yeah. most starting point guards are, are three plus turnovers a night. So Dennis has been taking care of the ball better. He talked about, uh, you know, being mentored by Jason Kidd and, and working with him and picking his brain. I think that's really valuable. So I do think that the, the, the tenant, you know, the, the centerpiece of that, of those non-LeBron minutes is going to be AD and Dennis and them running pick and roll, mm-hmm. two-man game, figuring that out. So I, I do think whether it's another game, two games, three games, however long LeBron is, is still out, these minutes are really valuable for developing some of that chemistry because I, I think that's going to be their bread and butter of those lineups. Yeah, and it's not a huge chunk of games, right? Like we talked about in that story, or you're talking about with that story we wrote in February. You know, LeBron's going to play 36, 38, 40 minutes in the playoffs. But those eight minutes, if you're losing them by 10, 12 points, you know, you could you, that's enough to swing a game. And so having having a competent offense and an ability to really kind of, you know, plug the dam or, you know, whatever um, cliche you want to use while he's out is really could be the thing that determines whether or not this is a championship team or not. So Frank Vogel talks about silver linings. Well, you know, Dennis Schroeder getting more comfortable with the ball in his hands is potentially a silver lining. It's not because he's going to be, it hasn't been with Anthony Davis. He's had a couple of games of that, but, um, I think, you know, to, to your point, just the opportunity to see what those minutes look like, not in short bursts, but over a sustained period of time, then logic would follow does help him in the short bursts uh, going forward. So to me, that's one of the, the huge questions. Is Dennis Schroeder the same Dennis Schroeder that we've seen over these last seven games? I think it's a pretty good sample size, like 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 you you said. I mean, there was a stretch where he his turnovers were really bad. The Lakers turnovers as a team were really bad. And it does seem like he has been able to um, get a handle on that. And, you know, he's still going to be a good attacking guard from the wing, can play, can shoot, can shoot the ball off, off um, when he's off the ball. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he sort of evolves. And it's all in the context of whether he's the point guard of the future or of the long term for the Lakers. Remember, he was eligible for a contract extension. He has basically bet on himself and uh, said no to a four-year $84 million extension agreement this year wants to get to free agency, wants to see his options, says he wants to be a Laker, but obviously only wants to be a Laker at a certain price point. So I think I think there's a lot at play with Dennis Schroeder. It's just one of the mysteries of this of this postseason, and we'll see if he can kind of live up to his own expectations for himself. I want to pivot, uh, Jovan, to something we've been talking about kind of throughout, and I just wrote a story on this also, but I was curious what you made of Montrez Harrell's comments last night about the Lakers' big man rotation. 
and if that illuminated anything for you. Because one thing that was kind of a, a hallmark of last year's title run for the Lakers was how interchangeable their big men were and how, you know, Markeith Morris could be completely irrelevant in one series against Portland and then arguably be the MVP of the next series against Houston. And same for Dwight Howard against Houston, barely played. He was, his biggest impact was as a cheerleader. And then he comes in and has just an absolutely vital role against Nikola Jokic. JaVale McGee could start 65 games in the regular season and then be inactive for the final game of the finals and barely play in the playoffs. It seems like the Lakers are heading for a similar situation this year. Do you agree? Yeah. It might even be more dramatic than last season, just with with how many options they have. So now you have Andre Drummond, who's come in. You have Montrez Harrell, who is the reigning sixth man of the year and was probably seen as one of the biggest splashes of the offseason of free agency, not just for the Lakers, but the entire league. Him jumping from the Clippers to the crosstown rival Lakers or whatever. He took his first DNP in four years on Saturday. And I understand that that was Frank Vogel kind of, you know, experimenting. You want to see different looks against the Mavericks. I get that. But if you're Montrez Harrell and you view yourself as a star in the league, which of course he does, this seemed like it was kind of setting the stage for the possibility that there will be matchups where Montrez Harrell has to accept that he's out of the rotation. And that could be entire seven game series. And we've kind of gone through this with Marcus Saul, right? Where we've talked to Mark about, are you willing to accept this role that Andre Drummond's arrival represents? And there's been kind of a spectrum of range of emotions that we've kind of seen from him. And I feel like we're now having this conversation conversation about Trez because you go back to last Monday against Utah when Trez was really unplayable and and Vogel said, hey, that's a matchup where I would like to see Marc Gasol. Well, that could be the second round matchup in the playoffs. Denver could be the first round matchup. So that's two series where it seems like Trez is maybe not going to be as playable. But then, hey, you get in against the Clippers or depending on what comes out of the East, he's still some of your best offense off the bench. I just feel like we're kind of in store for the same thing. And I wonder if we can be sure that the Lakers chemistry and culture is strong enough this year to withstand it and to withstand the bruised egos and sort of the hurt feelings that comes from that. Because these are prideful guys. And you're also talking about, you know, in Trez and and Marcus All, guys who are going to be free agents, or obviously Trez will have the option to become a free agent. Same with Mark, I guess. But we'll be looking for bigger contracts. And they're going to have to do it after presumably accepting reduced roles in the playoffs. Do you feel like this Lakers team, with all the interruptions, the shorter season, the inability to bond kind of in the way the Lakers did last year, is going to be able to sort of, that their culture kind of will trump kind of those personal feelings? I think so, because we've seen that all year. Right. I mean, let's go back to the beginning of the year with Wes Matthews and Markeith Morris getting cut from the rotation for those four games and seeing how those guys have bounced back where Keith, uh, you know, was, was the starter without AD for that basically, you know, 30 game stretch, uh, started most of it. And as Frank Vogel said at one point, was the unsung hero where, you know, stepped up offensively, became a, a double digit a night guy, was defending the best forwards and played a critical role. Then you had Wes who, I think it's still kind of been up and down all year, but has had some moments where he, he's closed games, hit big shots, you know, ha- had double digit scoring efforts. Um, so, I, you know, and then recently Marcus Gasol has, has taken a huge step back going from being the starter playing 18, 20, 22 minutes a night to being the third string center catching DNPs as frankly, a, a more accomplished player by, by a significant amount than Montrezl Harrell, you know, a champion defensive player of the year, not to mention his international career. Like he's a future Hall of Famer who who clearly signed with the Lakers to be the starting center. So I think it's kind of the Lakers culture this season is they have 12, 13 guys that should be playing on a normal team in a rotation. And some guys just have to take a step back at, at different points. And, and 
I, I think it's not just going to be the center rotation. It's probably going to be like that wing guard rotation where, you know, Ben, ben McElmore, who, who's played, you know, had, had some big games recently. He probably won't even be playing if not for, you know, as, if, as we've discussed, like maybe there's a series or, or a game or a moment that the Lakers need a big shot or, or they're just not hitting threes and, and they need a spark. So they put in Ben. But like, you know, Wes and Ben are probably not going to be playing much. Um, and so, but who knows, maybe they play the Clippers and they need Wes's defense or something. Like, I, I just think it's going to be very matchup based all, all postseason. I will say to the Trez thing, uh, you know, this is something I'd, I'd heard last season in you know, my, my reporting and, and just talking to different people with the Clippers and, and around the league. Like, there was a sense that, you know, Doc Rivers got ripped for not benching Trez in that Denver series. Um, and everyone focuses on the Jokic stuff. It wasn't just Jokic. Mason Plumlee was torching Trez. And, you know, Mason mm-hmm. Plumlee is like, you know, he's fine, but he, he was torching Trez as well. Uh, but part of the reason Doc was not willing to bench Trez was he was afraid he was going to lose him if he benched him. That if he gave him a DNP or cut his minutes to five or something, Trez was going to check out and, and not be involved you know, with, with the team. And I think for Trez to accept a benching, because, you know, clearly he accepted it and, and he spoke with the media and I think he handled that well. Like that shows a, a growth and maturity on his part, but it also, I think, speaks to the Lakers culture. And, you know, Frank kind of encouraging that mindset from training camp. I, I think Trez has a, a better relationship with LeBron and AD than he did with, with Kawhi or PG. Uh, they, they have the clutch connection. Like, so I think there's a lot of factors here that have led to this, but it is going to be something to, to monitor because, you know, I, I think Mark has clearly been frustrated at times. Trez wasn't happy, obviously, with, with what happened. And, you know, there's might be series you bench both of them. So I I think it, it's going to be fine. Ultimately, I, I think these guys know what they signed up for at this point. There's been multiple guys that have been benched at different points. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm more interested to just see, like, when they get benched and, and what matchups and why mm-hmm. and how Frank kind of decides those key decisions. Discovered the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. I guess I just feel like there is a difference between Frank going to Montrez and saying, hey, I'm going to give those minutes to Mark tonight to see what that looks like. He'll be back in the rotation on Monday in Orlando versus we're not going to play you for this entire series. And I I do think that that's a good point. You know, and, you know, and you know Montrez a lot different than I do uh, or a lot better than I do, I should say. And I, I do I, I feel like would risk losing him if that's if that's sort of a, a characteristic people who've been around him see you, I feel like there's a greater chance of losing someone by saying we don't need you to win this series, or we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna attack this series differently, you know, and you're not gonna be in the rotation. I don't know. I think it's hard to say. I mean, I feel like Marcus All and even Trez to an extent have been a little spicier on this subject when we've talked to them. And, and granted, we 
cannot claim to be as close to the situation as we have been in past years because we're not in the locker room. We're not seeing these guys interact with each other. We're not around them sort of in in non-interview settings. It's all on Zoom now. Um, so we have less access than ever before, of course. So that disclaimer. But, you know, Mark's comments have been a lot spicier, I think, than we ever heard from Dwight or JaVale or uh, Markeith. And I also think, you know, Dwight, JaVale, and Markeith were all at very different in different situations last year. You know, JaVale had kind of been through this before with the Warriors, where he was sometimes a starter, sometimes inactive, um, and saw kind of the payoff of championships. Dwight was borderline out of the NBA when the Lakers signed him. You know, they only signed him because DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. Otherwise, you know, would he have been in the league last year? Would he have had a, a job? Would he have been on a contender? I mean, maybe eventually he would have landed somewhere, but he certainly was unemployed uh, well after free agency had come and gone. Um, so I think there was more incentive for those guys to sort of embrace those roles because of where they were in their career and kind of how they hit, you know, how the, how they had arrived with the Lakers. Trez and Gasol did not just come for defined roles. They came for big roles. And the Drummond signing, I just don't think we can overstate how much the Drummond signing has screwed up Trez and Mark's plans for themselves is the way I would put it. And if they can embrace that and and everyone in the locker room's on board with it and they see the bigger picture, then that's fine. I mean, you that, and this is, again, what I wrote and this story will be online or probably is online by the time people are listening to this. That's what championships require. That's what championship teams need. They need players to um, to sacrifice and accept roles that are maybe different than how they view themselves uh, for the greater good. And, you know, the Lakers have high, you know, high character players. I mean, Marcus Gasol is viewed as, you know, one of the most professional individuals in the league. Um, Montrez Harrell, like you said, has so far said all the right things. Um, so there's no indication that um, they're going to have any issue. For me, I feel like what happened last year was kind of stunning in how well it seemed to go over. And that was also in part, I think, because the Lakers just kept kicking ass. I mean, they won every series in five games until they you know, six games in the finals. So they, you know, they were on a tear through the playoffs last year. But if things you know, are not going as well or if players feel like they're out of the rotation where they should be contributing, um, does it have the potential to be disruptive? It's the dog days of the season. <laughs> I need I need something I need something to hang on to as sort of uh as sort as compelling and sort of as a uh, a point of conflict because otherwise if you're just going to say the Lakers just need LeBron to get healthy and then they're going to win a championship that's not interesting I think the dynamics of the big man rotation are interesting I no longer know if that's the case right like I mean it, it's just sure that it's like I feel like we, we we just why we just accept that like oh it'll be fine like these guys haven't been together for two months continue yeah no I mean I I think on paper you're kind of betting on okay it's a talent play you got two top ten if not you know, when 80s at his peak, top five players, uh, you, you got a, a championship core. Uh, you, you you got a coaching staff who I, I think really surprised people last year with, with their ability to navigate those kind of tricky rotation waters that you just mentioned. But but also um, the, the way they adapted and adjusted in series where, you know, the Lakers you know, kept losing those game ones and then they'd come out and punch you in the face in game two and, and, and really adjust over the course of a series. So there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. I, honestly, my one of my biggest reasons of optimism for, for the Lakers is just outside of the Nets, I still don't really love any of the other contenders. Like the, the Clippers have played really well lately. They're growing on me in that sense of like, okay, uh, I think they're looking like the team that we, we thought they could maybe be. But aside from maybe the Clippers and the Nets, like 
I, I just still don't love any of these teams in a seven-game series against a healthy Lakers team. Now, again, that, that's a caveat. We don't know if they're going to be healthy. But for me, I, I continue to have optimism in the Lakers, more so because I don't love the field, you know, rather than what the Lakers have done th- this season. Because you know, we, we just we haven't seen this team for even twenty-five games this season. You know, LeBron and AD have played. 20 uh what 23 games together so yeah. it's just I, I don't know like if they win this championship i've been thinking about this lately like has there been another situation where a team has had their two best players miss 30 plus games in a season yeah i've, th- I've thought about this too and it's it's when has a season when have championship favorites been as disrupted by injuries i think is one question and then two, has there ever been a situation, like you just said, where there were two stars have basically been sidelined for this long and a team was able to reconvene and win a championship? And I think the answer is no. Like there's, I've done a little digging. Nothing jumps out at me. I think, you know, you could look at the 2012 uh, Lakers with, with Dwight and, um, and Nash as being a team that was favored, was favored to win and then couldn't get healthy, obviously with Nash and then Kobe tearing his Achilles. But, but that team was kind of doomed in other ways also. Um, I, so it's, to me, it's not the same thing. They were the Western conference favorites going into the season, obviously, and just didn't live up to that. Uh, but I don't think, but I think there's kind of unprecedented circumstances across the board here. You know, there's, um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, Brooklyn is not only unprecedented in the amount of star power they have, but how many games have they all played together right now? Is it still seven? You're going to go into the playoffs with those guys having played, you know, let's just say fewer than a dozen games together and they are the prohibitive favorites in the Eastern conference because just, they're all really frigging good. It's like, that's not really, you know, what we expect a championship team to be. You know, you need to have chemistry and you need to have rhythm together and you need to, you know, have, have kind of been through some battles together. And, and this idea that this thrown together sort of nets juggernaut is going to be fine because of how good they are really does test sort of our concepts of team building. So that's never happened. Um, and, you know, you look across the the landscape of the league, there aren't very many teams that are in contention that haven't been affected by, um, you know, long-term injuries to star players. Um, you know, obviously the Nets, uh, Philadelphia was without Joel Embiid for however long, several weeks. The Lakers, the Clippers have dealt with some stuff to Kawhi, although it's you know not the same severity as... Um, as obviously what they've gone, what the Lakers have gone through, um, but but you know the, there's a decent chance that whoever ends up winning the championship will have had to endure you know a significant injury to one of their star players at some point throughout the season. I mean Donovan Mitchell has missed time in uh, Utah, so is Mike Conley. Denver, obviously, I don't know if we even consider Denver a contender anymore without Jamal Murray, but. Um, they, you know, obviously Jamal Murray's injury has has changed the way we look at uh, the Nuggets. So, you know, whoever emerges from this, I think, is going to have gone through some version of 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 the injury bug. And but I I do think it's unprecedented, specific to the Lakers' plight, that to have a team that really had to make do without its two superstars for such an extended ch- chunk of time, and not not just an extended chunk of time, but an extended chunk of time right before the playoffs, so that there yeah. isn't time to to rebuild and reconvene. It's just sort of, here you go, go kick ass. And I'm not putting these guys in this light yet because they, they have to win multiple championships, but I, I just think if like you look at the really dominant duos, right? Like uh, we're talking about two top five guys on the same team, you know, Scotty and, and, and MJ, Shaq and Kobe, uh, Steph and KD and those championship runs. Magic that, and the, Kareem. Magic and Kareem. Sure. Um, and, and those, those 
runs that those teams had, I don't think there was ever a championship year where where both guys missed twenty five plus games. You know that that's just that, that that was more of where I was going with it. It's just like you know I know Sha- Shaq had some injuries, KD's had some injuries. Like th- there's been you know Kareem was a little bit older, or whatever. But I I just I can't you know. So I think this would be just an unprecedented like you know th- this would have to really be LeBron and AD are that great and or the field is dealing with its own stuff, right? Like like you mentioned the, the Nets not being whole or or Utah dealing with stuff or, or you know, the, the Clippers imploding again or whatever. Like, you know, th- there might be other factors that end up helping the Lakers. But I, I think if they do repeat, they are defying the odds of, of just what we've seen throughout NBA history. Yeah, it's it's just and I think this just speaks to what a weird year it is. You know, when you look at it through just the lens of the Lakers, which obviously you and I do, this consumes us. It is our full time job. And you see it from the Lakers standpoint and you just think, oh, my gosh, this has never happened. This is without precedent. This is going to take something Herculean. But I think across the league, that is true. You know, you just look at all these situations. You know, these are all kinds of situations that are really unfamiliar and you know, the Nets to me are just such a fascinating study because it's such a trial. I mean, they just, this, these guys haven't played together. You know, they haven't been through anything together. There hasn't, there's not a history with this group as constructed. They have, you know, how many players have they added in season? You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, Blake Griffin, James Harden, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge before he got hurt. I mean, it's just a, it's such a, you know, just a, it's like, it's like cooking dinner and just grabbing all of your best ingredients and dumping them in a pot and hoping that they taste good together. And it's, you know, it's just, and it's so far has been good. We just haven't seen it very much. So it's a strange year. It's probably going to get stranger. I think the playoffs are going to be, um, are going to be, uh, are going to be, you know, wild. I think the matchups in the West are, you know, the fact that we are legit, there's legitimately a possibility of the Lakers and Clippers playing in the first round insane um, probably not going to happen I'm still all in on the Denver series Lakers picked a game back up on Dallas last night so you know time is shrinking for that to happen but I but it's, the fact that it's still in play Utah is losing its grip on the one seed Phoenix could win the West in the, could, in, in the regular season um, not none of this we saw coming so I think the next couple of weeks are going to be even crazier for the Lakers and for the league and uh you know, one of those things is going to be the return of LeBron James, which Jovan and I are both on the record as saying will be before our next weekly podcast, which is usually on Tuesdays. So um, you probably should uh, settle in and get ready to watch uh, the Lakers at full strength over these last 10 games. Jovan, any parting words before we sign off and let the people go read all these stories that we've been talking about? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think I, I'm just interested to see how th- how this all looks. We've seen the drum and AD pairing kind of have some struggles, and I think it'll be similar with LeBron. The, the, the spacing isn't going to be great, but I think it's going to be bigger. You know, it's going to maybe look a little bit more like last season's team from that perspective of just being more physical, taking up more space. And uh, yeah, it's a mad dash to the playoffs, and I don't know what to expect, and, and that's exciting. Yep. I would agree with you, and I will look forward to continuing to check in on a weekly basis uh, with you. Uh, Anthony Slater will rejoin us next week, we think. He's busy uh, off writing about the Warriors, the surging Warriors, so um, we'll welcome him back into the fold next week. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.